you are now about to witness the awesome uh, crushing might of the U.G.S. Robinson Show. Sorry about the late start. Tech troubles of all varieties. I'll explain it in a second. But right now, you're at V40404. Eugene H. Robinson Showstopper. This show about how the Godfather explains everything. It's a Rosetta Stone, understanding the 21st century, as well as UFC Fight Night 170. So. We're going to kick it off right after Bob Riley from Sigmata on their record Calling of the Just. Do I have a copy, Andy? Sings the words that kick it all off. An intro, all of nothing. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they try to kick a car with a hammer. Bob Riley doesn't live in Huntington Beach, however, but that uh, he might as well. Seeing the work so perfectly, perfectly emblematic of this show's general approach to reality. He read But I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. Sorry to stop all over Bob's line. If you want to, oh, that's nice. Pause to stop working on my phone. You know, you know, I'm not, I won't be fooled. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Oh, it just suddenly stops working. Guess I'll have to get a new one. Listen, you want to buy a new iPhone? That's cool. Wait till Jonathan Ivy. He's back in the fold. They got him off of whatever else he, whatever else he was working on. That's when they're going to come out with some shit. I'm not the dunk. Like, oh, oh. They, they gave it to the B team. He had some crisis. Went off to, to fucking England or whatever. I dealt with his family. Who knows what the problem was. And now he's back in the fold. Product cycles, the way they work, it'll take a couple of years to get into the product cycle when they're actually doing a phone that is going, wow. But fundamentally, this, whatever the fuck this is, this 6S, as far as I'm concerned, it's no different than the 10. Oh, usually the camera's better. And the ringle dingle, oh, the ringle dingle's better. So I guess I got to drop $1,500 on it. It gets call. It gets text. You know, I can take pictures of my penis. What else do you need with this phone? realistically speaking, oh, I'm sorry, kids' tennis matches or whatever people talk, lie and say that they film. So, uh, uh, but now it won't pause. But I digress. I digress. Um, uh, this show is uh, exactly what it says it's about. And I need to, before I forget, and get too freaking cavalier. As usual, uh, at, the half, at the halfway mark, when I give you the high signs, Let's see what the hell happened here. When I give you the high signs, everything is going wrong here, bro. You know, and I see other guys with other shows, and they got the studio, and Mark Maron's got his garage, and he's got, like, really nice mics and stuff. And, I, you know, if it was anybody other than me, I'd feel bad for half a second, you know? Not me. You know, I look at this personal affront. Okay, is it in? Yeah, it's coming through the headset. Thank you. Okay, so now and so now we're on the ball uh, on, on the ball uh, with my very expensive and I'm I'm proud to have it. Glad to have it. So uh, all right. So the way it works in this household is we're all so busy that uh, with great frequency 
you know, the biggest joy that uh, have in the world is to be able to sit and to watch a movie from beginning to end. You know, you have kids at a certain point, you know, you realize that, that that's a fiction until the kids go to sleep. So then you either become a, wait, a late night film watcher or you don't watch film, you stop watching films. Well, we're, we're all so busy here. We don't get into bed until whatever, you know, 11. There's other stuff to do once you're in bed. But the reality of it is, you know, we watch movies 15, 20 minutes here at a, at, at a poke or 20, 30 minutes or 30, 40. Now, keep in mind the Godfather, the Francis Ford Coppola directed movies of which we're only really considering one and two here also will accept the director's cut. Uh, we'll never accept part three, except as a as a as an anecdotal appendix item. Um, so that's what we're talking about. The first time I, this this film came to my attention, I believe I was in Nassau in the Nassau Bahamas in, in uh, Nassau Bahamas in Nassau in the Bahamas, and uh, I remember the poster. And you've heard me make mention of this on the show, Stomper. The poster with the hands, with the with the uh, you know the whatever that is, the, the, the puppet's crucifix that they use to control the strings that control the puppet. I remember seeing this in, in, in Nassau. When I got back from Nassau, uh, my great-grandmother took me to see the movie. I must have been about 10 years old, right? So this is 72. I don't know. I can't remember what year the movie is. As always, if there's any problem with the sound, use who, you could tweet me, uh, those of you who are propelled to answer questions at the, at the halfway mark, uh, you can also probably tweet me. So let me, don't let me do half the show which shit's not going right. Um, anyway, so a, uh, my, my great grandmother also known as my Nana, she took me to, to see it and you know, maybe not, <laughs> you know, my family, they wouldn't take me to see catch 22 or Bonnie and Clyde because of the overt violence, but this somehow got under the radar. And of course, when you're hanging out with the great grandmother, everything goes straight to hell. They do whatever they want, you know? So, uh, so she took me to see, and the only question I had during the movie was when Sonny was uh, having sexual intercourse with Lucy up against the door. I think I believe her character's name was Lucy. Um, and I said, Grandma, what are they doing? I thought they were wrestling. And she goes, I'll tell you later. And, and she didn't actually tell me later. <laughs> I still don't know what they were doing. What were they doing against the, 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 the closet door, the, the, that bedroom door? They were like kind of wrestling. I, kind of wrestling, or maybe they were dancing, some something like that. Anyway, um, other than that, the, the movie seemed, uh, my my memories of it uh, with the, I remember getting shot at the causeway. I remember parts of New York that were, were featured in the movie that I'd actually seen or been to or by, and this was noteworthy and somehow significant. But, okay, so that was the first time I've seen the movie. So I've seen the movie a bunch. But I, I figured the Rosetta Stone part comes in, you know, or like the Gnostics say, not the agnostics, the Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. You know, they say they, they don't bother writing anything down because they go, true knowledge is not transmitted through the written word because it's open to misinterpretation. This is a general thrust to their, their thinking that instead what happens is you have to, I have to explain it to you. And, and you know, this is, you know, of course, you know, a lot of. A lot of Gnostic writings, <laughs> of which there were none. You know, I mean, maybe so later somebody came along and added, you know, essentially their problem is this problem we should have with the Bible, which is like stuff starts to accrete. It gets added. Guys do turns of phrase. You ever have an editor? It's a game of telephone. Excuse me. The game of telephone on, on a grand scale. But the movie starts to, uh, yeah, there are two parts of it. First part is the book by Mario Puzo. So if you haven't read the book, you should, um, because it, the, the discussion won't be won't be it won't make as much sense to you. It's a great book. It's an easy read, and it, it fills in a lot of the blanks. And, and and it's it won't make you hate the movie, and the movie won't make you hate the book. So they're complementary in my mind. We're talking about The Godfather, but in each age, you get different you get different pieces of the story depending on. Uh, on where you are, and there's certain macro themes that go into it. There's, there's the uh, initially the New York paranoia that got me right, where the, as emblem uh, 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 emblematic of the scene, the 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 fruit shopping scene where Fredo bobbles his his bodyguard uh, a job, and uh, 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 Vito Corleone gets uh, uh, shot. Marlon Brando gets shot uh, in the streets. Um, 
So, you know, in, in a New York of uh, deep in post-Vietnam PTSD, as well as, uh, uh, you know, this was something that I was mindful of. There's a, that great kind of moment where he looks up from the oranges and he sees the guys and he goes, ah, shit, this is, you know, and he t- just takes off running, right? And um, so you start to resonate with that, maybe in the same period that they were making, uh, eventually, you know, bookended by taxi driver, you know, urban, deep kind of urban paranoia up up to, to, uh, to paraphrase Kierkegaard, uh, fear and trembling unto death. Right, and then there's then there's there there different aspects of it, uh, like uh, don't ask me my business, the quiet ascendancy is as as tracked by hip hop. Uh, you know, you go through hip hop, and they start talking about, you know, uh, Michael, and of course, you know, Pacino is had 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 two great gangster portraitures in, in American cinema, the second one being Scarface. We're not going to count Donnie Brasco because the movie was generally substandard and he was in his hoo phase. So it's not, the, the, it's not the, you know, there are two Pacinos. There's a Dog Day Afternoon Pacino and then there's a hoo face. There's Serpico Pacino, you know, uh, there's Cruising Pacino where he, he was hungry. And then there's when he just, there's a point at which he just started doing Pacino. But that had to be up to Carlito's way. He was still the first Pacino. Post Carlito's way, something happened. You know, oh, they never let him see it coming. The scent of the woman, I think, is what ruined him. That's why I've never been able to see the movie. Tell me if it's worthwhile seeing. Maybe I'll see it. But right now, I haven't seen it. So different parts of the story. And finally, it, it dawns on me, well, it kind of matches your age, right? The, the different things, like certain things. I used to have nightmares about bears when I was a kid. Don't have nightmares about bears anymore. Not because I don't expect a bear to be in my bedroom. Boom, take a drink. Not because I don't expect a bear to be in my bedroom, but uh, I mean, largely, yeah, it's probably, it's probably proximity. (laughs) I don't hear, I haven't heard too much about bears being in my bedroom, so I can safely assume, or, you know, you have nightmares, vampires, werewolves, uh, uh, the natural world out of control. You get a little older, you know, maybe your first lover cheats on you. You get start to get par- paranoia. You get, I mean, so it's different. The movie changes over, over time. But this last time I'm watching it, and Tuesday or Thursday, I had band practice, and I was telling Oxbow's drummer, I was like, hey, um, you know, something I didn't see before, and it's, it's, it's chafing my hide because I'm watching the movie both of them, 20 minutes in a second. So you have pause, you think about it, pause, think about it. It's not, it doesn't need to be the same cinematic experience because of course I've already seen the movie several times. K, playing by Diane Keaton, K. I start to not buy K. This, this is not a chink in the armor. This is, this is an inroad into what, into, into a level of the onion being peeled back and suddenly I'm smelling things I'm smelling colors I haven't seen or heard or smelled before. How do you like that for mixing modalities? So uh, K. So K says, right, right. Connie flips out. Where's Carlo? Where's Carlo? Where's Carlo? If you don't know the movie, none of this will make sense to you. It's after the baptismal scene at the end of, uh, and I use this as a phraseology all the time. So, man, it was like the last five minutes of The Godfather in there, right? You know, where all of the en- uh, all family business is settled. In other words, all the enemies have been killed. And she says Carlos was supposed to, Carlo was supposed to get on a plane to Vegas. Nobody can find him. Connie flips out. My God, Carlos, Carlos, Carlo, Carlo, you killed my husband. You killed my and you, you know, the Godfather. I tell, how could you kill? And and Kay comes in. Diane Keaton comes into the study. And right, let me let me see if I could fix this. It's it's, it's maddening. You, you you think Joe Rogan's got a de- Joe Rogan's got to deal with this kind of stuff? You think so? Or what about Mark Maron? You think so? You think he's got to deal with posters that are precariously balanced on the edge of a $100 couch? That he, Man, I'm not complaining about the couch, man. All right, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boy, you could just be drinking your ass off if you're playing that drinking game about the poster falling. All right, how's that? It's precariously balanced, but I'm not going to move for the rest of it. It'll be like I'm in a body cast. All right. So she says, uh, Michael, did you? And he goes, don't ask me about my business, Kay. And she goes, Michael did. He goes, I told you that. He snaps at her and he goes, okay. 
okay, this one time I will let you ask me about my business. What do you want to know? So did you? And he looks at her and goes, no, I didn't. Right. And she goes, she goes, oh, I didn't think so much. And she, now Oxbow's drummer says that was, that was a proof positive of her. What, what you saw on display was her desire to want to believe. And I said, no, 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 no. That's not the way I'm seeing it. That's not the way it's played. And it reminded me of uh, an argument I got into with a university of Washington Spinoza professor about about uh, the end of the Godfather. And he his proclamation was that Travis Bickle wanted Sybil Shepherd, wanted her. And that last scene in the cab where she's trying to pay the money and she's standing there on the curb and he just kind of looks at her, goes, mm, and drives off. He sees that as longing. I said, it's not longing. He, I mean, we got heated. We went deep, deep months, even years arguing this point. And I said, you are making manifest you're you're making manifest, you know, a Hebraic desire for the shiksa, and I do not see this at all as part of Travis Bickle's makeup, and, and, and how you're projecting it in a way that I think is unhealthy and is not going to necessarily get you close to understanding the plot of the film. We've still, we this is unresolved now, 20, 30 years. In this, I I, I disagree with the drummer's take. We did not see we there were no there were no heavy-duty internal machinations for for K, like there may have been for Connie. There was coloration of Connie. First of all, in real life, she was Coppola's sister, right? And that's in real life. So maybe he knew knew the character. But there was always something slightly discordant about, about K, who I think it, it would be comfortably safe to say represented America. If you remember, it, it wasn't until Appalachian that I write about in, a, in an upcoming, oh, I think we ran it, the Aussie piece, The Day the Mafia Broke. J. Edgar Hoover consistently said, said that anybody who said that there was anything like the mafia was crazy. It was crazy conspiracy talk. You might as well be complaining about Bolsheviks, you know, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, hidden Nazis and fifth columnists and, uh, uh, and stuff like that. He poo-pooed it. One, because I guess, it, like I write in the article, that he was into horse racing and they were gambling. And and two, because uh, he didn't get his the head. It was work. You know, you shoot a John Dillinger and put him on public display, the disorganized criminals, you know, that's, that's that was easy. And in in mafia terms, those guys were out for nobody. They were they were bending. They were out for nobody but themselves. The mafia was an organization. It was an institution, and as such, uh, you know, ha had its connection to probably. I'm not saying that J. Edgar Hoover got payoffs for this. That's not the point. So K represents an America that was resistant to understanding the 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 deeper threat uh, imposed by you know out of control or unbridled capitalism. Say, let's just say, let's call it that. That's what K was. But she still also represented something, I mean, fundamental, the distaff side, right? She was his wife and she was a mother, as well as weaving in this wholly modern thing where she comfortably, quite comfortably managed to get an abortion when, right after the Frank Pantangeli thing. She says, I didn't want to bring another son into this right before he punches her. The only time we ever see him punch her, which we presume is the end of their relationship. Now, two years before, two years before uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover died, they passed the RICO Act in the 70s. And this, after Appalachian and all these hundred guys in uh, upstate New York, or Jersey, uh, Appalachian, yeah, it's on the border. It's right there on the border. Um, they caught 100 mafia, they had 100 mafios at some meeting. They caught like 62 of them. Those guys were in jail for an hour. Again, there's not a crime to run for the cops unless there's a crime being committed. So they could have just stayed where they were. But at that point, they criminal conspiracy, J. Edgar Hoover had to acknowledge the existence of it. And in a very half-assed way, he began to pursue crimes uh, you know, against it. Listen, <laughs> you don't have to be a genius to figure out what happened to Robert F. Kennedy with the whole Jimmy Hoffa thing, you know, and, which was a continuation of the JFK thing. It's like, we're talking billions of dollars, 
We're talking Hollywood. We're talking Vegas. We're talking offshore casinos. We're talking the beard and, and, and Havana. We're talking about huge amounts of money. This is a meditation on capitalism. But K, which is which is how my understanding of K is more significant understanding K as a represent as a, a representational uh, symbolic rep representation of America than it is you know I mean we saw uh, whatever her name was Mama Corleone um, we saw Fredo's first wife the the drunken uh, uh, non Italian woman at at, at the Second, not a wedding, the dedication of a bunch of money and uh, as part of Godfather Part 2. So I'm not saying that the female character, characters don't, don't fare well. I'm just saying that, that I think Coppola is doing something very specific and very interesting. But I don't buy K. And then K's, you know, K's, uh, uh, she says, yeah, oh, thank God, Michael, thank God. And then she steps into the ante room, and then seeing through her eyes, we see uh, Al and uh, uh, Clemenza, I think, come into frame and bend down and and kiss Michael's hand as Michael leans against the desk. Maybe you could build a connection between that and, and the fact that she. But by the second one, the second one, I'm not buying. I am not buying. Her refusal to her inability, not refusal, not inability. I, I am not buying the lady protesting because at this point now, between when he shot Solozzo and and the cop and went to Sicily, got remarried, lost his first wife, and then came back, he was already back a year. How many years had passed? How many years had passed up until? I guess these were supposed to be a derivations of the Kafafer hearings in in the fifties. He was he was a war hero. He just gotten back from the war. So let's say nineteen forty five, you know. And the Kafafer hearings, in my mind, or at least Appalachian, was like say nineteen sixty some. So so he has forty fucking years. They didn't have kids until their kids were like. Uh, Based on the movie, the appendix movie that we're not really going to talk about, their kids were how old? Their kids, I don't know, maybe by the third when they're old and wizened, you know, uh, the third in real life, Al Pacino had to lie. Diane Keaton said, I absolutely refuse to do this movie because our relationship, they, who, they had a relationship in real life, is unsettled. I want to be married. You know, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm not doing it. And he goes, okay, baby, we'll get married after the movie is over. And the movie was over, and then they, he dumped her because <laughs> he doesn't negotiate with terrorists. True story. So, uh, so I, I'm not buying that the K doesn't believe. You see the house. She screams at one point. My my son's friends are button men. You know, professional hit. So you know, you're living in the house. You're seeing the big luxury cars, taking the vacations. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. What is it that America didn't? America chose not to know, even though there was alcohol aplenty and prostitution aplenty and gambling aplenty, and there were kickbacks on on sanitation schemes and building projects took long. In other words, all all of this stuff. But what I like about what I like about The Godfather and the Rosetta Stone aspect of it, I'll tell you right now, before we get to the questions, if they if you guys have any questions, and these will come via via uh, Twitter from you to me. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, the Rosetta Stone aspect is, and this came in a speech, um, where I think it was Michael Corleone talking to his father. So it had to be, it was either a flashback in part two or it was in part one. And what he did was essentially layout there's a book by cp snow called two cultures and there's an answer book by this guy fr levis called two cultures question mark and they, they're about fundamentally sort of the same thing but sort of different and what what he's saying is he lays out a version of 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 things of, of things as they seem and things as they are and that's what i've been trying to get to that is it those of you who get impatient with me realize that that is a nut of this whole show Things, uh, there's a great Wallace Stevens poem, poem called uh, The Man with the Blue Guitar. 
the man with the blue guitar plays things as they are, right? Blue, color, sensory, ears, here's the guitar, and things as they are versus how they seem, right? Of course, this is a, 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 a prevailing theme of many movies from The Matrix and so on. So we walk around in a world of seem. Another line from Wallace Stevens, the only emperor is the emperor of seem, the only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. You know, we w walk around in a, what a world, and most of us do, right? Seems, 401k seems to be a good idea. And IRA Roth seems to be, Social Security seems to be, it seems to be a good idea to show up to work sober. Seems to be. And at one point in, in Godfather Part Two, the young Vito Corleone, played by Rob De Niro, says, why should we pay this guy? What he sees is 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 the guy who contributes nothing to the community. He's a parasite. When I when I interviewed the the undercover uh, uh, organized crime detective in New York City, he said the Albanian mafia, the most violent mafia out there now. Like you can't get the you can't get these guys to roll because they they know that the people who their bosses will kill everybody, kill your sister, your family, your teachers, people connected to you. They kill everybody. And he said, they're going to fail. I go, you know why they're going to fail? Okay, why? And he said, because all of these criminal societies work with the communities. They're not holding the communities hostage. They were, and this comes up in The Godfather. He says, most of, uh, when, he, when he rejects Salazzo's offer to go into drugs, he goes, most uh, alcohol, gambling, you know, prostitution, see, these are things that people want. You know, they may not want other people to know they want it, but these are things that they want. These are things that are a part of the fabric of our desire. You know, drugs, you know, no, yeah, you might want drugs, but you do not want your kid to want drugs. You know, there's big money because I don't care. You know, the politicians find out, you know, some kid, all you need is one kid to jump off a roof and then we're, it's a bad PR move. And of course, for his trouble, he gets killed. And as we know, so the Albanians, the Albanians, he's by this guy's. And if you read some of my mafia stuff, you know who I'm talking about. I'm not sure he wants to be quoted in a show that I do in my underwear. But he uh, he, uh, he says, you know, the, the Albanians are not working with the community. People are terrified of them. That's not good. The mafia lasted for a long time because it worked with the community, even though the uh, Fenucci in Godfather Part Two. Corleone goes, this guy's, and he shoots him, murders him. And at that point, he becomes a template for a different kind of, of community leadership. You know, that more closely hues things as they are, that, that drives things as they are through as they seem. Right? The degree to which a society is successful is a degree to which are and seem are close together. Right. If you have the if R and seem are really far apart, you have non-functioning societies. Right. You have societies that are not in for the long haul. When the Nazis, you know, they had uh, 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 to uh, the kind of show concentration camp where they had the music and they had the, the plays where they would bring international observers before they shuttled them out to play. They killed people there too, but mostly they, it, was a, it was a Potemkin village of, of cool shit. Because, oh, I don't know what people are talking about. Here's one of our, and this was the one where the, you know, the prisoners are playing and you fucking play and you play good. If they leave here, I would have That's things as they seemed. Some international observers went back and go, hey, I don't know what they're talking about. It's perfectly fine. All that other shit must be propaganda. Things as they are, or were, people were being shuttled in the crematorium. Unstable society. There's a lot that could happen between R and seem. The closer you get together, the healthier society is. J. Edgar Hoover's version of, of say, is that you have, you have rogues, right? You got rogues out there. You got rogues out there like John Dillinger, disorganized crime that threaten the fabric of society. It seems like we live in a pretty nice place, but every now and then chaos intrudes, and you know the things as they as they are is that we're good, decent people. You know, but it seems like if we pay attention, no, 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 no. So they make this, they establish this point 
in, in the Godfather and say, look, in other words, the red blue, red, red pill, blue pill thing. And he said, I'm not going to be a puppet pulled on a string by so many big shots. He redefines, he redefines the mafia's relationship to the community, starting with the fact that he has a legitimate business. Fanucci, if you in Godfather Part Two, was pure extortion. You just see him walk around taking money from people. That's kind of what he did. Just walking around taking money from people. Full on extortion. Didn't contribute anything. First thing we see, Brand uh, 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 De Niro do, he helps an old lady who wants to stay. Has she got a little dog? The guy doesn't want to let the dog. He's giving people jobs. He actually wants to pay for his vegetables. And so the guy works hard for his vegetables. Why is she not got paid? Why? Because if you remember the story as a young man, Vito Corleone saw the arbitrary exercise of power, the, the, the huge chasm between R and seam, and thought, this is the key to failure. Even though when he goes back to the guy who killed his mother and his brother and his father and kills him as an old man, the guy is still living largely a life unchanged in the same place. He's just older. So clearly, you know, if if longevity is a key to success, we're going to say Stalin was more successful than Hitler. Whether Hitler died in the bunker or, you know, in, in Argentina, you know, what's happening? Uh, um, uh, um, hold on. Uh, hold on. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, hold on. <laughs> okay, I, I was trying to tell you what I'm laughing at, uh, but I, I can't. So, uh, so, so he makes a big speech between R and Seam, and he's like, "If I have to exist in the world to Seam, I'm, I'm not going to do that." And then he says it several times. He goes, "Oh, when he talks to the senator, when he says my final offer is this, nothing." He goes, "We're both part of the same hypocrisy. We're both part of the same hypocrisy." What do you think that is? We we are we are part of the world of seam that the cheap seats believe is a real world. The actual world, the world of R versus seam, is a world where underlying all political statements are statements of fucking power and ultimately statements of violence, and that's the God's honest truth. Which is where it ties into MMA. <laughs> the coolest thing about MMA, and I make this claim in the fight book, is that it is fundamentally a sporting endeavor shorn of, of, of sporting elements that, that are part of the world of seam. As evidenced by, like the prime example when I used to roam, have the store right next to the recording studio and, you know, Tapes, T-shirts, videos, you know, punk rock music store, fanzines, creepers, bondage gear, anything you want in the store. That's what I had in my store. And I got the papers all stacked up in a pile outside for recycling. And the guy's about to come by on Monday. Some band guy, I'm talking to him, and he tells me something interesting. He says, man, I was at this guy's party, some famous guy. I forget who it is. It's a musician's party. And, and man, everybody, they want to kick my ass. They were assholes. I go, why? What happened? He goes, well, his girlfriend had spent all day making this birthday cake for him, you know, and she came out with the cake. Everybody was singing happy birthday. And I put my hands in the middle of the cake. It just went, blah, I thought it was funny. And everybody wanted to kick my ass. That's kind of fucked up, bro. He goes, that's what I thought, too. I go, no, what you did to the cake? He goes, ah, it's just a fucking cake. They were going to eat it and cut it in two seconds anyway. He already saw it. With the... I go, okay, well, you know, I wouldn't have done it, but whatever. And then he walks back into the control room. And as he walks back in the control room, he brushes a stack of newspapers and they all fall all over the floor. And I'm waiting and I'm watching this guy walk. I go, hey, man, hey, clean up those fucking papers. He goes, why? You just knocked him down. No, I didn't. This turned into a three-hour argument. At this point, the guy is screaming because I know you're tight. You just want, you're just looking for an excuse to beat me up. But I'm not looking for any excuse to beat you up. I want you to pick up those papers because... When you walk down the hallway, did you see those papers on the floor? He goes, no, I did not. After you got to the end of the hallway and you turned around, did you see those papers on the floor? Yes, I did. Between seeing them not on the floor and then I'm on the, then, and them on the floor, what do you think happened? He goes, anything could have happened. 
Okay. So we kept this up. And then finally he said, I'm going to pick up the papers just to make you happy. I go, don't touch the papers. Now I don't want you to touch the papers. Because making me happy is not the issue. Making me happy is not the issue. Doing the right thing is the issue. You knock the papers down, you should pick the papers up. It's that fucking simple. And then finally, he's, he conceded that there were, nobody else entered the space. He could see that the papers were probably pe- precariously balanced, waiting for the moment where just a slight breeze or maybe his hand brushing them would knock them over. Just, I said, so you, you think that largely I have to spend my days between doing inventory and working a real job and then coming here in this record store on the weekends, laying practical jokes for hapless bands that happen to be coming through for no other reason than I like to beat up guitar players. At that point, the guy just fucking cleaned up the papers. So Michael Corleone says, you know, I, I, I don't want to be, in other words, I, I'm not going to be part of the world of seam. You know, um, this, in, in this guy's mind who knocked the newspapers down, you know, he understood the political implications of what it was that we're saying, that he went right to it, underlying my desire to alter his behavior was a fundamental threat of violence. He understood this. And so when, when Corlett Michael says, he goes, we're all part of the same hypocrisy, Senator. And the Senator goes, oh, you play whatever little games you want. The Senator is fucking wrong. Senator gets found out. Hey, okay, now's the time. You got any questions? Tweet the questions. Uh, uh-huh. Tweet the questions. Let's see. Uh, open it up so I can see him without interrupting the show. Oh, here we go. We got a couple. What's the chemical difference between Yer versus Zion? Oh, wait, okay. What type of drug was each event? I'm getting to that. Don't, 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 don't slow me down. Okay, I, I, I'll get to it. So anyway, um, so this is why this is why I enjoy and what I said in the fight book, fighter, everything you ever want to know about asking. We're afraid you get your asking for asking. Also, let me explain something to you as we go into the holidays. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash the stomper, you can donate a, a, a 50 cents, a dollar for the show. I'm not aware of the fact that you've done so until the end of the month and the end of the month. It says, Oh, this many people have donated. You know, you have 30 people who donated 50 cents a piece or a dollar piece. And then they send me a check for it. Somebody was like, well, how much is Patreon? Get? I don't know. I don't know. It's not the point. I don't know how much Patreon gets. I know that they send me, they send me what they don't get. So that's all I have to go on. Not the fictional whatever they get or the knowable but unknown to me what they get, but what I actually get. People say, oh, you're going to do this show now that you got Aussie Confidential coming up. Yes, I will continue to do this show, but I'm looking at trend lines. And every month, I'd like to make at least a dollar more than the month, month before. So you could donate or not. If you enjoy the show, you shouldn't have to wait till things get desperate and dire. I could be out mowing people's lawns now for 20 bucks. Like I want to do that. <laughs> and in any case, in any case, so, so let, 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 let's tie this off. So uh, uh, um, MMA has all the sporting elements. They have commentators. They've got referees. They've got, but fundamentally, they, they've gotten to the ass end of that argument with a newspaper where you realize policy is not going to get you any, any, uh, very far. Policy is not going to get you very far at all. And the actual fact, it's like you've had to, you know, you've had to peel off this part of the onion. What about this part of the onion? No, that doesn't work. Maybe you should pick up the papers because you're a nice guy. No, that doesn't work. Maybe you should pick up the papers because you knocked it down. I don't believe it did. But that doesn't work. So fundamentally, you have to say, look, you're going to do this because my final offer is this nothing. You're going to put up the money for yourself. You're going to, because what he's saying is when it comes to the exercise of the kind of violence that underlies political power, I'm not a student of this. You know, I, 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 I am a creator. I was a soldier in your military. And he says this during that speech. He talks about trying to get his, he says, I'm American as you. I defended this country. But he's not justifying his existence. What he's doing is explaining, he's explaining, pre-explaining his aggressive, what will fundamentally be an aggressive exercise 
of dark power. It's almost not noticeable, much like the Billy Bat scene in Goodfellas, where he says, you're a little bit disrespectful, Billy. And he's like, oh, the guy just to get out, bust the guy's balls when you get offended. And De Niro looks at him and goes, okay. That okay. I was like, I'm about to introduce you to the exercise of what underlies all policy, all political power. The threat of violence becomes real. We move from seems like you're angry to are angry and you know what the, happens. And then if you remember the story in Godfather part two, the Senator gets found, wakes up in a, in a house of prostitution uh, with a dead prostitute. And of course they've got photos. He says, Hey, I'm here to help you. If you don't think that Michael Corleone had the prostitute killed, well, he, he probably didn't say go kill a, don't go kill a prostitute. So the guy likes prostitutes. He goes, handle it. I need to get this guy in compromising situation. Get him in a compromising situation. So in MMA, in MMA, you know, you have all these other things like uh, like Mary Poppins saying about a spoonful of sugar making the medicine go down. But make no mistake that we are in the world of R, not seem. Now I'm going to go through the fights backwards, and I had four cares on this card. I, I did, I did, the, I did the, I did the show with the indefatigable uh, V Rod, Victor Rodriguez, and dude had like eight. I had to do the math early this morning because he had, I think he had eight picks and he got four wrong. No, he had nine picks and he got three wrong. However, I had four picks and I got two wrong, putting me at fifty percent. And then I, I, I guess fundamentally, he did better than I did. Starting off with me picking gift extraordinaire, and how does a man become a gicta? A man becomes a gicta by being named Neil Magny. Neil Magny. Neil, what what can be said about Neil Magny that hasn't been said about Somalia? I picked him. He looked good. His his entire fight life career is full of zigging when he should have zagged and zagging when he should have zigged. And you cannot, you cannot trust him anymore. Gicta, no longer a gict, no longer a guy I can't trust, but a guy I can't trust anymore. I've had it. It's like CNN. Oh, Eugene, you were loading on CNN. No, 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 I'm not talking about so much CNN. I'm talking about CNN.com. Crashes my page every time I try to look at it. Finally had to tap out. I go, I love you, CNN, but I can't do it. Whatever you're doing to me digitally is fucking up my life. Neil Magny is fucking up my life. Against Ponzinibbio, and, but he did, a, he did a wonderful service because he put Ponzinibbio in this rarefied space where he's got his hands around a lot of seam and not a lot of R. And that's where the mist creeps in. The mist creeps in when you move from, from R to seam. And he's now talking about how Woodley is trying to duck him. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess that makes sense, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why Magni sucks? I'm answering that. Or why? I guess I'm not answering that. I don't know why he's inconsistent. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be, you know, sometimes, you know, wish me luck, Shamus. I got a raw deal. Well, your kind always does. That was the big sleep. It wasn't as I've thought in the Maltese Falcon. Your kind always does. It could just be one of those things, man. It could just be one of those things. Like that movie with William Macy where he plays the cooler. A guy who just radiates that Carl, kind of Charlie Brown-esque bad luck and just bring, you know, there are people, you know, Sly Stone said it best. Some people you just, some people just love to learn and some people you just love to burn. I've been around people like that and you can feel it. You can really feel it. That what they want, the, the rightest thing in their world is for you to fuck them over. They invite it. They invite it. And when you don't do that, they create a situation where you want to do that because they think you're magical. Like I had that one woman tell me, uh, angels sent her to me, the mother of a friend of mine. Yeah, calf kicks do suck for tall, skinny guys. <laughs> but, I, you know, what? Do, I, look, man, I, I, 
I don't, I'm looking at macro magni themes. I'm not looking at micro themes. I could look at the technique, but it doesn't. That, that, I don't think that answers all the questions. Sixto Rodriguez and Sugar Man. The answer that makes my questions disappear with Magni. It, it, the ways he's he's found ways to lose that I had not seen before. And then the times I picked him to lose, he's found ways to win that I haven't seen before. But what I haven't seen with Magni is I haven't seen a burst of confusion between Seams and R. I think he knows kind of where he is at this point in time, which is not something you can say about positive. Who is now talking about Tyrone Woodley. You know, I, yeah, you got to do that. In the burst of your excitement at having won, I understand completely that you've done that. Completely. Good, good for you. Don't keep it up past Wednesday. He's like, this is proof. This is proof that Woodley has been ducking me. So, who the fuck is this guy? Ponzinibbio. But V-Rod picked him, so hats off to V-Rod. Yeah, my nose is just, it's probably, it's probably uh, all a toxic center. You know, I've been poo-pooing the people wearing the mask. And some guy, Danny, Danny A, Danny Acosta. Yeah, you all know him. He said to me, yo, Eugene, man, this is no fucking joke. We're in a hellscape now. Your body's inhaling stuff that you, you not think you you, you you think it's campfire? You think you're smelling wood? It's not wood, bro. It's plastics. And sure enough, the wife goes out and she's like looking at through the cat stuff and there's like stuff in the cat's water bowl. What is it? Just shit in their bowl, you know? Particulate matter from the air. So um, so maybe I spending more time inside. I didn't go running outside, but running inside. Uh, I didn't go run today because I got a hamstring pull of some kind. But anyway, uh, why Magni sucks? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the macro thing. I don't know what happens in the guy's mind. But I do know something structurally about the way the, the UFC works. And that's that it's really hard to focus on the job task at hand. Right? It's like, you know, it's like if you, if anytime a company says, that we 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 we're startupy. What they mean is it's fucking chaos here, and you're gonna work long hours as we try to figure out. And one one of the thing is in those situations, people who don't have enough work are the ones who are calling meetings to create the illusion that they do have enough work. Those of us who have to load the fucking trucks, it's a constant constant chafing fucking misery. I can't I can't think of solid reasons why Magni loses in the way he loses. Outside of the fact that he suddenly, at one point during the fight, realizes, oh, shit, I'm Neil Magny. I got to fuck Eugene over. And he does so. Ponzinibbio talking about how he should get a shot at the end. You know, I'm sure some wags in the comments are going to say, ah, yeah, Eugene, but look at his win line. Oh, fuck the fucking fuck straight to hell with that. Come on. All right. Well, hey, maybe he will beat Woodley. If you're on the radio listening, I'm making the universal masturbation sign. I'm going to see, have to see a little bit more. You know, you got to think big, like that little old ant who moved the rubber tree plant. Everyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant. You got it. Got to keep on. Keep on dreaming, bro. But I, I'm not seeing it. You being in Argentina, you got to gin up the crowd. Got it. Don't know why that fight was in Argentina anyway. South America, maybe it was global TV covering Argentina. Don't know. Llamas, uh, I picked Llamas to defeat Darren Elkins, you know, um, and but so did, so did V-Rod. Um, uh, nice to see. Sorry, man. Uh, it's probably the dust. It's probably I'm getting cancer. The nasal Eugene Nostradamus. Um, but uh, you know, Lamas is nice to see him. Nice to see him again. And uh, uh, but you know, he beat Darren Elkins. I could bear. I could barely muster a care for that fucking card, really. But I had to because of Lamas and not because anything. Well, because he, he was touted at one time. He was one of those guys making the sound s sign of the belt around his waist that you didn't completely laugh at. Um, I picked Khalil Roundtree, who got fucking elbowed into a, into insignificance in the first fucking round by Johnny Walker. Look, less said about that, better. I, you know, I had dinner ready for you and you crucified it. That's I. That's the only only pick that I feel bad about. 
I, I don't know. I got, I, it's hard to explain. How do I explain it? I don't know. Vera. Vera I picked against Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy. I mean, it's against a nobody. Oh, no, no, Kennedy. Oh, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Go back and watch the Care Don't Care, the Care Don't Care show with V-Rod. The last one, I guess, Kid Nate is back in the fold from his peripatetic ways, his steak and champagne only caviar ways. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, uh, I didn't care about that. Uh, Prezares and Fabinski didn't care. I don't think I cared about the whole rest of the card. He picked Suzaki, and Suzaki uh, lost. I didn't care about Yeah, he picked Bandanai, and Bandanai uh, lost. And who else did he pick? He picked uh, – I, I didn't pick anybody else. I had four fights in the card. I can't remember the other one. Um, and Santos, nope, 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 nope. I didn't. I didn't really care, and that's it. That's it. They're they're a bunch of oh, Nair, 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 Nair was the other one. Uh, Naramani. Did Naramani? Uh, uh, did who? Who did he? He picked. Here's his. He picked. Uh, n- yep. He picked Nair, and Nair won by unanimous decision. So 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 V Rod crushed me this time. It's okay. It was his last show. He had to do well. He had to leave him wanting more. But the reality of it is that. Um, UFC fight night. Many of you have shared, uh, been of the opinion that there were a few bright spots of the show. I've seen you've been tweeting me and texting me some of these comments. That you, there were a few bright spots in the show, but that fundamentally it was like, mm. and then some of you said, I don't even care enough about this show to listen to the don't care, care preview about the show. That's how little I care about the show. And so then you have to ask yourself, you know, um, again, Given that the Rosetta Stone of how you understand what's happening in the 21st century is the Godfather and, and, and the discontinuities between the world of uh, world as it seems and the world as they are, specifically a company owned by former casino owners, and this is where you come in for the payoff, right? The casino owners, you know, um, it, we can put the, the bald one in there and the oopsie, how they understand the slackness of the the one of their last few remaining cards for their old contract with uh with uh with uh, pre uh you know pre pre uh uh, uh fox contract pre espn and you know in other words are they shoveling shit because they expect us to eat it are they shoveling shit because they're focused on you know mining diamonds how to just just confuse confuse the metaphors all over the place and and in other words why why ufc fight night why 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 that why ufc fight night 140 why did that happen why did that happen why did that what 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 sense did it make to book that fight well you have to have a you have to contractually to fill some you know you also have future goals of future marketplaces that you put in your swat analysis strengths weaknesses opportunities threats Part of it has to do with developing, you know, TV rights in South America. There are lots of macro reasons why they did it. But if you think, if you think that the overlords at Endeavor or ESPN are thinking micro, they're not. And that's the thing that you have to realize once you get into the management realm, once you get into Michael Corleone space, that how you understand the world as it seems and the world as it is, R versus seems. It's it, it it's a kind of macro view that if you would you would get vertigo if I took you there. I don't know if you've ever been if you've ever known a CEO or been friendly. I've known like oh who's the first one I met Jim Spilker from Stanford Telecom, and I've known a few others uh, women as well who were CEOs. So not it's not just a man it's not a gender thing. It's about like a, a, a guy from Soviet Georgia said, he didn't grow up under Stalin, but his 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 family did, and they said he said something pretty interesting. He said, "Oh, the, Stalin's image is getting rehabilitated." They say, "Don't blame Stalin; they blame other people." He was Stalin was pretty successful, right? It's pretty successful. He lasted a long time. Died in bed, naturally, not hung up by his ankles in some fucking piazza like Mussolini. But the reality of it is, the the, the the reality of it is that um, 
if you, I don't, I'm not being as articulate as I desire to be on this point, but if you, if you, if you, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. It, it has to do with the difference between R and, and, and seem. And if you, um, if you were to get that vantage point, the, the Hawks eerie, like the guy says in the opening speech in Glorious Bastards, he goes, you know, most Germans are incapable of thinking about rat, the rat's life from the rat's point of view. They think about life from the hawk's point of view. Yeah, okay, yeah, well, you know what? You go macro, like most CEOs go macro. And you realize, like this friend of mine from Soviet Georgia, he goes, and I said, well, you believe that? That it's Stalin, there was other people around him? He goes, look, look, look. Even if it wasn't, let me tell you something. It's hard to care about. It's hard to care about one person, much less 100 million people. So when you go macro, the world as it is, or the world, the world of R, is very different. Very different. Like I said on one of the shows last week, you know, a guy who, who's a CEO, a person who's a CEO of a company and has a large number of people quitting doesn't seem like a very commanding leader. They call that attrition. They, they, they don't know. It's, it's not a good thing. Which is why if you have a company where a lot of people are quitting, counterintuitively, you know what you must do? You must begin firing people. Because then you can call it things like reorganization. And it seems like you're commanding and in control. One of my first jobs at one of my the second jobs I had was firing a guy in his 50s who was a sole source of income for his wife and his two kids. And this grown adult male, they wait, they wanted a button man to do it, and the button man was me. The guy's name was Lloyd. I, you don't need to know his last name. He started crying as I fired him. And I felt like I, I, I'm, my hands are tied here, man. I'm a foot soldier. I'm a grocery clerk. I'm delivering a message. I'm a telegram guy. Telegram Sam. The message is you got to go, Lloyd. I've had the I've had to fire a couple people, long standing in very much that same position. Only one cried. Grown adult men. They could have fired him at any time. Give it to the new guy. I was a new guy. Was I moved to express mercy? No, because I understood the world of R as things are. People who make decisions about what you drive, what you're going to eat, what you breathe, what you wear, they are looking. They it's hard to care about one person, bro. From where they're looking in that high castle were ants, were numbers. Like General Patton said about storming the beach at Normandy, only 2% of you are going to die. In actual fact, he was right, 2.5. That meant a lot to the 2.5 who were dead and their families, but that still left a whole chunk of people who survived. The rest of us in our world of seem, you know, don't think that. It seems like, you know, the guys I know who are Trump guys say to me stuff like, you know, Trump cares about all Americans. <laughs> no, he doesn't, man. He doesn't even care about those Americans closest to him. This is the secondary macro theme of The Godfather. This is, this is a film about a capital and ca how capital works. And how it play? I mean, if political power is, is undergirded by violence, capital, a creation of political power, is also undergirded by violence. So you can't have missed that, and you can't you can't miss the fact that these that these guys had failed failed emotional relationships. You know what what use was it at, to have it revealed that Tom Hate uh, Hagen, played by Rob Duvall, had a mistress. We've seen nothing. He seems dutiful. He's steadfast. His wife seems nice. They have the family for the kids. He's a, but and yet it's revealed that the steadfast man of rectitude has got has having an affair. These were really secondary. These were symptomatic of other things. And through it all, the last scene in Godfather Part Two is is Michael staring out in a in a in a autumnal, soon to be wintry landscape alone. 
you might not be able to get an emotional read on him at that point in time, but if you're going to say he's happy, I'm going to say prove it. It feels uncomfortable to us. UFC fight night, a uh, 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 140. It feels uncomfortable to us because suddenly the air is thin and we're, 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 we've gone macro. And macro is that one fight or another doesn't make a bit of difference. One bag of heroin, one or another doesn't make a difference. It might make a difference to the 2.5% who are not going to make it up that beachfront. We're going to succumb to overdose. But for everybody else, it'll be fine. The drug that is MMA, how good does it have to be? And does it have to be that good always? No, because I'm not, you're looking at things discreetly. You, Mr. Commentator, are looking at things, you know, you're looking at the world of uh, of how things seem. You're, you're eating your pills one by one. I'm, I'm looking at the whole year of pills. I'm looking at a, a whole year of glassine baggies. I'm looking at a whole year of addiction. I'm looking at, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking at new dealers. I'm looking at a new process. I'm looking at a new undergirding, just like the old undergirding. You're confused about anything? It's easy to get confused about how things seem. Depending on the trick of the eye, you seem like somebody else. Oh, you look like that guy. And, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you are. Can't fuck with that. This is, this is why the whole Me Too thing sort of rubs people sort of the wrong way. Right? Because men are not really super communicative necessarily all the time or are not communicating this, but when they hear about some of this stuff, they know on the planet of R. If I tell you, let's go back to my hotel room so you can watch me masturbate, like Louis C.K., you can be pretty much 100% sure that when we get to that hotel room, I'm going to be masturbating. It's not the world of seems like he was joking. There's no seem. There's no seem when it comes to penis. Our political power, our capital, is only R. So those of us who are micro and kind of concerned about UFC fight night is kind of slack. It was only only four cares on the card. And of those four cares, in the end, there were only like two worth the damn to care about, despite what V-Rod said. I'm going to have to go stalling on this one. I'm going to have to go with it's hard to care about. It's hard to care about one person, much less 100 million. It's hard to care about every single oopsie fight, isn't it? Where where was I when the actual fight was happening? I was out, uh, the wife and I were out seeing widows. Which if uh, she gets back in time, maybe we'll do, we'll do a You Kill Me, film reviews for reprobates on this channel. If you subscribe, you'll be notified. But that's it. Anytime, like with Benny Hill, when I was a kid watching Benny Hill, if ever I was confused about what was going on in Benny Hill, I would just reference it to sex. And then I knew I, I had it. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, this is because all of his jokes about sex, right? I was just reference sex and I got it. If ever you're confused about R and how things are versus how things seem, if ever you're confused about any of that stuff, specifically as it relates to maybe the oofsie or even in your own life. Realize that seem is for suckers. And somebody once said to me, if you have any doubt, right? There could be no doubts. If you have any doubt, don't doubt it. But the question of reality, like, I wonder if my girlfriend's cheating on me. You got your answer right there. Last three words, cheating on me. This seems to reward out-of-control capitalism. Really? How many attempts on Michael's life did you see in Godfather 1 and Godfather 2? Two. In one case, his first wife got killed. The second one, uh... He uh, did not get shot. He was ambushed, but not shot.
So that's the show. This is V40 of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper Tuesday night at 7.20. Kid Nate is back as if the shoe, if I did it, immediately followed by if the shoes fit. The way that breaks down is uh, PR kerfuffles in the world of MMA for if I did it and PR kerfuffles outside the world of MMA for uh, uh, if the shoes fit. If there's a fight next weekend, which I don't think there is because of Thanksgiving, we would do a care, don't care, but there will be no care, don't care preview. There will, however, be next Sunday uh, 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 if I get enough uh, people pledging at patreon.com slash the stomper. There'll be a show, a guest, and, of course, a, uh, uh, the JJB, the Jiu-Jitsu Breakdown, because Marty G will be back in pocket. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. You can follow at Eugene, the at symbol Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter. I got to get to 5,000 by December 31st. It'll affect 25% of my bonus for the year. I, I know you're sick of hearing me complain about money, but look, just, just indulge me, okay? Or Mr. Sleep, the number three on Instagram. However, if you have no photos up on your page, I'm not going for it. I'm not going for it. Also, if you're asking me for a lot of stuff, usually could you listen? Could you do? Could you help? Could you read? Could you? I, I'm I'm very busy. I will. I'll get to everything, but then don't follow it up with 10 emails bugging me about whether or not I've done it. I got enough of that shit in my real life. Mr. Sleep 3 on Instagram. Have photos on your page. And don't do that thing is, this requester wants to screen you. Okay, fine. Great. So long. You came to me. So I'll click yes, and then you have to let me in. You don't let me in, then I'll just delete it. So that's it. See you Tuesday. Until then, don't get killed. Thanks for listening. Watch it. For those of you, I'll put up the link to the to the radio show in a little bit. Those of you, the rest of you, was, uh, look what you made me do! Uh,